Welcome to the podcast of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover, and as you may have noticed, our TGIF regular, Tommy Dean, has been missing from our panel. He's back in America for a couple of months. And while we've missed him on TGIF, he's instead been joining us with a weekly letter from America. So if you're keen on catching up with him, stay listening at the end of this podcast for Tommy Dean's Letter from America. But first, this week's TGIF. We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... Music studio at the ABC and Ultimo for Thank God It's Friday with the music. It's the Australian Swing King, David Campbell. <laughs> I'm Richard Glover, and let's meet the panel. It's Jackie Loeb, Alex Lee, and Rebecca De Unamuno. <laughs> and our audience this week, drawn from the towns of Dubbo, Grafton, Tumut, Wangara, Batlow, and Port Stephens. <laughs> But first, as always, here is the news from nowhere. Up in Queensland, Joe Bielke-Peterson was infamous for his harsh, undemocratic laws. One example, he made it illegal to walk three abreast. The aim was to give police yet a further tool to prevent protest marches. And yet, as a Sydney cider, coping with this city's pedestrians, I could only think, what an excellent idea. Walking three or four abreast has become the only way for groups of friends to navigate the streets of Sydney. They walk, shoulders virtually touching, slowing in order to catch each other's conversations. Sometimes it's five or six or seven across, like a chorus line from a Broadway musical. I half expect them to throw an arm around each other's shoulders and start performing the can-can. Have you struck these people? They're everywhere. You end up having to dart out onto the road in order to pass, putting yourself at the mercy of Sydney's drivers, who, of course, are even worse than Sydney's pedestrians. (laughs) There was news this week of a crackdown on jaywalkers with fines of $76. And if they are on the march against annoying pedestrians, why stop there? Worse than the chorus liners are the sudden stoppers. Do you know the sudden stoppers? (laughs) There you are going with the flow, a fish that's part of a school, and the person in front comes to a shuddering, instantaneous stop. I don't know why. Maybe their phone is binged. Maybe they've had the sudden thought about the meaninglessness of existence. I don't know. They suddenly stop. And the result is either a collision, or if you are rugby trained, a quick sidestep, followed by acceleration, in order that you don't create your own collision. Now, I understand, of course, that our car drivers are even more annoying than our pedestrians. In Sydney... The thank you wave has long disappeared. And I have a friend who's taken it upon herself to campaign for its reinstatement. She constantly lets people in. And then when they fail to wave thank you, she winds down the window and hollers, Thank you! (laughs) In a voice loud enough for the whole neighbourhood to hear. Her children, mortified in the back seat, are not yet in professional therapy but I'm about to set up a GoFundMe page to help with their inevitable treatment. Maybe you'd like to contribute. Sydney drivers, you might have noticed, also treat the merge lane as if it's the last chopper out of Saigon. It's like there's only one slot left on the Anzac Bridge, and this is their last chance. If they don't beat you to that spot, hanging onto the chopper with one hand as it rises into the sky, they'll be left on this slip road for all eternity. They think a yellow light means gun it. And that putting on your hazard lights means it's okay to triple park at the local shop. Surely you won't mind. They have important dry cleaning to collect. And that if stuck in traffic, it's fine to complete your morning ritual. In Sydney, this includes shaving, teeth cleaning, eyebrow eyebrow plucking, having a quick read of the broadsheet newspaper, drawing the line only at the practice of placing cucumber slices over your eyes, but it can't be far long before someone does it. Uh, They also believe that once you overtake someone on the freeway, you should slow down straight away so that the person that's been passed might fully appreciate how annoying it was 
to be stuck behind a slow-moving vehicle. Sydney drivers. Yet none of this is to excuse the pedestrians. I, I won't trouble you with the familiar observation that they are all now looking down at their phones, presumably checking out a website called How to Die Right Now. <laughs> a less expected problem, though, is the great zebra crossing crisis of 2019. As Sydney's foreign students have brought great vibrancies to this city. I welcome their presence, but they may need some urgent assistance as to the road rules the zebra crossing in particular has led to much confusion. It's clearly special in some way, but no one has bothered explaining in what way. So sensibly, you may think, the recently arrived student avoids something that is not completely understood, thus moving down the road to cross at a different point. The result, the only place in Sydney that is free from pedestrians <laughs> are the city's pedestrian crossings. <laughs> This is very similar to the city's cross-city tunnel, which, having been built for the exclusive use of cars, is the only place in Sydney completely free of them. <laughs> if only we could bring back Joe Bielke-Peterson. He'd sort us out. Double the fine for jaywalking, penalise the lot, the phonies, the chorus liners, the sudden stoppers. And the incoming funds from all the fines, well, as during the Bielke-Peterson years, they could be used in the traditional way. Half to the police and half to the Premier. And, and that's the news from nowhere. We have uh, Jackie Loeb, Alex Lee, Rebecca Day, Unamuno, all perfect pedestrians, perfect motorists. Never, perfect. Never uh, see, do, never I don't fear. drive, so being a, I, I know it's, it's like, it's like survivor out there on the mm -hmm. on the pedestrian crossings. Because not only do you have to deal with other pedestrians looking at their phones, but you've got now delivery drivers on bicycles mm. who think I'll just go on the footpath. I am an angry woman, mm. which I yell mm. a lot mm. at. at Cyclists, other pedestrians, motorists. I should just get a cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cyclist shouldn't be on the on the pavement. That's the pavement. But that's is exactly the, yes. right. It's still is it still illegal to ride? Yes, I thought. But they so. all do it. They all do it. Why a do they do it? A cyclist we should be in a gym on a stationary bike, not on our streets. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> I think I think the delivery deliveries aren't going to arrive very well if they're on a stationary bike. <laughs> That'll solve the obesity crisis then too. Yeah, that's right. It's a perfect solution. Uh, let's check you up with this week's news. Who's been Biden his time when it comes to Joe Biden? Who's been Biden his time? Oh. Anybody? Well, this is, this is uh, it's all happening, isn't it? News of impeachment and, of course, Joe Biden. Uh, it's been revealed that, uh, that President Trump uh, was uh, chatting, just having a nice chat, little chat to the Ukrainian uh, president and, uh, and asked him to investigate Joe Biden and his son, uh, which is, you know, basically the Democrats have now said it's like it was like a mafia kind of shakedown. I'll give you a. I'll give you this it. government loan. If uh, we, what was it? We will withdraw your or withhold your military aid if mm -hmm. you know if you chat, you know give us some dirt on Biden, and it's just I can't help but think of that. You know, like on that episode of The Simpsons where Bart Simpson like keeps hitting the electrical thing and zzz, out, zzz, out, zzz, out. That is the presidency of Donald Trump. <laughs> Top he political analysis here. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. That's what I'm here for. From the Centre for Independent <laughs> Studies, it's Rebecca Day Unamuno. It just, it just doesn't make sense. Wouldn't you learn from the first experience with Hillary Clinton? Wouldn't you just go, okay, that. Bad. No, or at least move further from Russia. Like, don't just go, OK, that didn't work. Next door. Hello, Ukraine. <laughs> exactly right. Who's he going to call next? He loved the compliments, though. The phone call starts with the Ukrainian president just complimenting the hell out of Trump, and he loves it. He's preening. Oh, yes, tell me more. I'm great, aren't I? I'm wondering if there actually was a transcript of the conversation or if it was just, you know, Trump calls the president of the Ukraine and he's, this call is to be monitored for training and quality purposes. <laughs> If you want a loan, dial one. Or maybe the reception was really bad. Maybe there are chunks missing out of the transcript because of the National Broadband Network being installed here. There's interference. Uh, maybe there's really bad phone reception at the White House or the brothel. Who knows? <laughs> but I don't know. How, how, does, how does ScoMo feel about this? Because he, you know, President Trump just had to pick up the phone to chat. To, but <laughs> President Trump made ScoMo fly all the way over there <laughs> to see him, which I, think's, I don't yeah, know. But he, he treated him to a trip to a box factory. Wow. <laughs> and a drive-through, I think. Yeah. 
It's like the two naughty kids who skipped out on school. They didn't go to the UN Climate Summit and just went driving around and in their mum's car and check out cool stuff like a box factory. Okay, second question from this week's news. Who went rogue when it came to the prorogue? Who went rogue when it came to the prorogue? Anyone? This Anyone? was no uh, Donald Trump's uh, UK counterpart, wasn't it? <laughs> Boris Johnson. I say counterpart because I think Boris Johnson looks like, you know when you leave your, your washing in the washing machine for too long and you take it out and it's all crumpled? That's like Boris Johnson to Donald Trump. <laughs> mind, yeah. And Trump is when you put your washing in the washing machine and wish you'd left it in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because everything comes out orange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. When you haven't separated properly. Yeah. Yes, he wants everything separated from the whites, that's for sure. <laughs> Good. So what's going on in Britain, though? This oh, is, no so, one so, knows. Everyone's just pretending. But the Supreme Court... I mean, Boris has given advice to the Queen. You know, they, they take the Queen mm. pretty seriously, and now the Supreme Court is saying the advice he gave to the Queen is illegal advice. Wasn't he shouldn't there, have prorogued there, Parliament. Wasn't there something also about him accusing the government and the opposition of being a zom, zombie? Yep. Zombie the, he said, Parliament? He said that it's a zombie Parliament with a zombie opposition. I think Australia would do very well with a zombie-led Parliament. <laughs> Mr. Zombie Prime Minister of Australia, Mr. Scott Morrison, what you're, you've been accused of being inactive about uh, climate change. What are some of your thoughts? <laughs> and uh, marijuana being decriminalised in Canberra. What, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> you've just described Barnaby Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect impersonation. Yeah, but I feel sorry for the Queen because she finally got something to do. Like, all she does is she sits at home on her throne, you know, twiddling her crown around, and she finally got to do something, and then the Supreme Court took it away from her. Oh, yeah. poor Queenie. Poor Queenie. Oh, poor that queenie. was all she had in her diary that week, I bet. It's hard to work out what's going to happen next, though, isn't it? October 31's coming. And... Yeah, I, I mean, I think Boris Johnson, when, when you realise, when your brother quits the government that you're leading, you've got to really start to question your career moves, don't and, you? And his, and his sister today has said the sort of language he's using is so divisive and violent because he's accusing everyone of being a traitor and being unloyal and unpatriotic and a, a menace to society. She says that language promotes division and maybe even promotes violence. And it's his sister. Wow. What does his wife think? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Third question from this week's news. Who tomorrow will take on a giant's task? This is exciting. This is really exciting. Uh, For those who enjoy AFL, you know I love my sport. Uh, When the Sydney Swans uh, didn't make it into the finals, of course, Sydney had one other hope and it's the greater Western Sydney Giants. And they're taking on Richmond in the AFL Grand Final. And for a brand new club, it's a pretty exceptional achievement. Well, this is a great underdog story, isn't it? Yeah. We we like underdog stories. It's a team that didn't exist 10 years ago. The first two years, they were wooden spooners. Mm. They won hardly anything. Now they're in the grand final. Now they're in the grand final and and it gives, you know, Greater Western Sydney something to do. It's great. (laughs) I grew grew up out in the Western (laughs) suburbs. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm I'm a Greater Western Sydney girl myself, so I'm just saying. But it's, um, yeah, it's very No, no, look, I don't know why you adopt that time because you painted a very vivid picture of your adolescent years, (laughs) which seemed to involve, as far as I can remember sitting on a log. <laughs> oh, that's when you had to meet at the logs at seven because there was nowhere else to go. So you'd go meet at the logs at seven and everyone knew which logs because there were only two of them and, you'd, and everyone had to hang out at the logs. Yeah, it was great fun. It was good times. Mm. And you used to sit on the logs at the, at the... What was the seven? The seven? At se- you oh, had at to seven meet o'clock. at seven o'clock at, seven at o'clock. the logs. And where were the logs? Next to the oval. Yeah, great. Um, Good see, I told you. They've got something to do. There's a great final. Imagine all the trouble you would have stayed out of if you had some football to watch instead of whatever. You must have just sat there dreaming of a football team being established 20 years later. (laughs) Sorry, 10 years later. True, that's very true. But my mum is very, very excited. She's a a Giants fan and she's been um, going around and playing the theme song for the last last week. And what's great, she sent me a video of my dad, uh, Jose, who just decided he'd make up a dance to the Giants theme song. So I might put that on YouTube. Mm. I'm not quite sure. How does it go? His, the song. What is dance? It's radio, Richard. This is a little bit. <laughs> She's doing it right now. We folks. can imagine. This out. Hang on one sec. Two backflips. <laughs> ah, I, I put on the television yesterday and there's a show about 
it went for like two hours. It was a panel of three men, surprise, surprise. And they're all talking about the AFL, the, the upcoming grand final. How do you sustain a program giving a commentary about something that hasn't happened yet? Like, it'd be like giving a commentary on the man landing on the moon the day before the actual <laughs> man landing on the moon. Or about the zombie apocalypse. Oh, no, that has happened, hasn't it? Not Parliament. We have Jackie Loeb, Alex Lee and Rebecca De Unamuno on, thank God. It's Friday. Uh, now, Tommy, Tommy Dean, if you're wondering where Tommy is, he's had to go back to the United States for a couple of months, but he is doing a letter from America every week for us on Sydney Radio. If you missed it somehow, maybe you're listening from outside Sydney, you can catch up with Tommy's letter from America each week at the end of the TGIF podcast. So just subscribe to the free TGIF podcast on iTunes or uh, on your ABC Listen app and you will get Tommy's hilarious observations as he brings those eyes back to America after two decades away. Now, on the uh, first episode of the Gruen TV show, they revealed the marketing success this week of supermarket collectibles with Woolworths Ushies and Cole's Little Shop collectibles, creating, they said, a spending frenzy among pestered parents. Do you understand the appeal? What did you collect when you were a kid? And since it's such a success, shouldn't other businesses offer collectibles for us adults? Alex Lee. I think it's so creepy. I do not understand it at all. Like, they're not even, like, fun or cute toys. Like, they're tiny bottles of bleach. Like, what is wrong with the children today? But that's what they want. I just, I don't understand In it fact, the White all. King one, is that the bleach? Uh, yeah. Uh, the White King one, it was, had uh, artificial rarity, and so the kids really wanted it. So they said on Gruen that the sales of the real product doubled because yeah. the miniature had been given this rarity factor. How weird's that? Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's just a, I mean, obviously it's a very smart way to get brand loyalty from a young age, but no, it's very weird. I, I don't understand. But you must have collected something when you were. I was, I mean, I just said all kids were weird, but I used to collect, okay, you know, in, in like the TV guide and they used to advertise plates that were painted, like decorative paints, Ooh, uh, yeah. plates, mm-hmm. and they had unicorns and fairies on them. Mm. I didn't collect the plates, but I collected the ads from <laughs> the plates and the magazine. <laughs> you, you are a, a cheapskate that makes my heart warm. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you'd be like going through, you know, because there's all that, uh, uh, those, uh, you know, beautiful gold medallions that they sell in the magazine, stuff like that. Yeah. You just cut out the medallion. That's right. Yeah, I was like, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 My parents were like... Re- Rebecca, do you understand the appeal uh, of these things? Of these things, I don't understand. Like, I, I don't get them. And then I went, oh, she's, I thought he hosted The Bachelor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> it's very, actually very twi- niche 23 <laughs> different Gunsbergs, isn't it? That's exactly right. But I, then I thought about it and I realised that I did collect things uh, when I was a kid. Um, it was when the Smurfs were at the height of their popularity in the 80s mm. and I was a child of the 80s and... Um, uh, watch the Smurfs every Saturday morning and the BP service station. Got that was every- near the log. Yeah, near the log. <laughs> near the logs. Uh, <laughs> there was only one BP though. And uh, and so we and we would go and every time my parents fueled up, it was that thing of yelling out that we had to roll down the window. Remember those? Remember? You couldn't just buzz. You had to roll down the window and you're like, don't forget to get Papa Smurf. And it was Smurfette was the rarity. And I thought, well, that's a bit of a pithy social commentary because she was the only female in the entire country. <laughs> But uh, so I did that. I've also, and I, I don't have any Smurfs left, but I do have a couple of things. My parents still have them at their place. Uh, Star Wars, when Star Wars came out, I think it was Empire Strikes Back, um, McDonald's had collector plastic cups. I still have two of those. Oh, How oh, amazing. Oh. When uh, I have Hulk and Spider-Man cups from Pizza Hut from the same era. <laughs> Uh, I also <laughs> collected, you know how you get cards with bubble gum? You know, it was footy cards were really popular. Not for this one. Oh, no, no, no. I collected Saturday Night Fever collector cards <laughs> of the feel of, right? So what, there's one of Travolta in the white suit? Yeah, yeah. and Grease the... Um, music or the movie cards and I have so many Grease cards and if you um, got the whole set and turned them over, they made John Travolta's face like with the black oh. t-shirt on from the You tell that scene. to the kids of the today with their Ushies and White King. <laughs> I know. You collected John Travolta I collected paraphernalia John basically. Well, he was the original White King. Well, you know? yeah. 
He was amazing. And then, and then, there's, and then that sort of spilled over when I was a bit older, like um, when I was kind of at the end of, of high, uh, primary school. Sorry, it was Judy Bloom books. You had to mm-hmm. get every single Judy Bloom book that came out. And then when I got to high school, that became Virginia Andrews. You had to read all that bizarre flowers in the. Oh my goodness, you're nodding like I'm living your life. Hello. <laughs> She's going to book in for therapy after this. I know. <laughs> it's true. We were obsessed with them. And then I was like, and as if I would do anything like that today. And it was at that point that my foot hit a box that I've been moving my room around and it opened and in it was a lanyard from every festival or show that I've ever performed at for the last 20 years. And I went, yeah, I don't collect. Mm. No, nah, <laughs> not at all. Can Scott Morrison can visit that box? He can. <laughs> I didn't get that. Oh, it's a box factory. Yeah, oh, God. God, God I'm slow. Something that happened 12 hours Jackie ago. Jackie Lover, collectibles. Yes. Well, we were a bit of pioneers. I'm a child of the late 70s. And we used to put packets of twisties in the oven and they would shrink. And they were our miniatures. You made your yeah. own miniatures. You had to make your own miniatures. <laughs> we also burnt down the house, but we made our miniatures. What else did we used to Did also... that really work? Did that yeah, really work? they would shrink yeah. and you'd get the little... little bits of orange in there and we'd eat them. Yeah. You take the twisties out first. No, I don't think yeah. we did. We did. Oh, oh there yeah. we go. They, they, <laughs> the, the pioneers before me. But we also, I also used to create what, uh, collect what we would call... You send the call... twisties to Donald Trump to use as a hair gel. <laughs> <laughs> the hair filler, yeah, the orange filings. Um, and then we'd also collect ru- what we would call rubbers, and you'd get them from, like, um, Granny Mays. And Granny I have Mays. uncle and aunt from America, and I'd say, oh, I collect rubbers. Can you bring rubbers to Australia? <laughs> <laughs> a little nine-year-old girl wanting rubbers. Thinking she really is a pioneer. And, uh, and then she'd then she'd shrink them in the oven to make them accessible for Australian men. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for the wheel of death? The wheel of death, ladies and gentlemen. This week Rebecca Day Unamunu is going to take on the topics which our lovely audience uh, who come from the towns of Dubbo, Grafton, Tumut, Wungara. Batlow and Port Stevens have thrown on this chocolate wheel. Today's topics are blessings. That's lovely, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? That's lovely. Hope blessings. You get that one. Lovely. Hope you don't get that one. Uh, Playthings, uh, friendship, dinosaurs, sparkle, card games, cane toe, pregnancy, feet, dominoes, excuses, monopoly, problems, and day pass. Mm. It's a weird crowd today, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> which, which one's full of fear? Uh, pregnancy at my age. Uh... <laughs> round and round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Today's topic for Rebecca on the Wheel of Death is excuses. Oh. Excuse is that? That's lovely. Excuses, very nice. She doesn't seem to think so, but I think so. Very nice. Excuses. Excuses. All righty. This will be a poor excuse this for a wheel a, of death. This will be an interesting one. Excuses. My brain has gone blank, but that's the beauty of this. Here we go. We have just discovered... Back in 2019, several recordings of several online dates, when eventually the people did meet up, we discovered every possible excuse under the sun for why they wanted to go home. (laughs) We have contained and compiled most of these excuses, often men leaving them on answering machines or voicemails, depending on what era you grew up in. And this is a collection of some of our favourites. Dook! Oh, yeah, g'day, yeah, Nuts, Tony. I'm so sorry I couldn't make the date yesterday, but I fell off the roof. <laughs> I've been in hospital all about three weeks. I landed on me phone and me phone stuff, so I'm so sorry about that. But, yeah, no worries. All right, let's not bother getting together again because I've fallen back in love with me dog. Dook! <laughs> Hello, yes, um, this is Pierre, the French man that's been wooing you on Tinder. Um, don't worry, my voice may seem like I'm only 15 and just desperate to look at boobs, but I'm not. Um, I can't make it today to our date because Mum won't let me. <laughs> um, hello. Uh, I don't know if this is... I'm looking for the number for Medibank Private. <laughs> Dude. 
Um, uh, yes, hello. Uh, look, I've been doing some thinking here. Uh, uh, by the way, oh, sorry, it's Hugh Grant. Um, yes, so uh, I was wondering if perhaps maybe, I mean, I don't know, I've just been, I mean, really, I'm just, I'm just a man. I'm tra- ha- 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 I think, sorry. <laughs> But nothing would quite prepare us for the final message we uncovered late in 2019. The date seems to be the end of September. It's a message which is confusing, but full of excuses. Boog! (laughs) We apologise for this delay, but Telstra is currently experiencing (laughs) some problems. We will get back to you... Uh, yeah, g'day. It's Donald Trump. I was trying to think of how I could do a Donald Trump accent. I'm so sorry. I just wanted to ring up and apologize for not making uh, any decisions during uh, my presidency. Uh, I'd like to apologize for my appearance. Uh, I'd like, I, I, But I've got to say, it's the light bulbs that give me my orange tan, which have then fried my brain. I, like, I, I, I was home with a woman called Jackie Loeb who, who had me in a... a plastic uh, packet of twisties and she forgot to eat me first before placing me in the oven and as a result all these years later a mutant version of twisties in an oven with combined with toxic plastic is me (laughs) how does she do it (laughs) Rebecca Dayunamuno takes on the challenge Tony didn't fall off the roof. He was with me. <laughs> Do you know that uh, in <laughs> that first one, is it true? <laughs> I actually got told, stood up by, on a date and the guy then messaged me to say that he'd fallen off the roof. <laughs> and I thought, good, I hope you broke something. <laughs> Not your Very heart. good topic, sir. Very good topic. Excellent topic on the wheel of death. Does she die, ladies and gentlemen? Oh. No. Oh. She lives. Whenever, whenever I go out uh, and talk to people in public, they always say, there's a fix about the... You, oh. She cannot do that right off. And they, oh, you must have told her the top... Is there a fix? No. <laughs> Thank you. Because if, if I rehearsed it, I hope it would be heaps better than that. <laughs> <laughs> now, President Trump, speaking of President Trump, he is said to have become the most common cause of divorce in America because people argue about what they think of him. What are the beliefs or behaviours that would bring about a divorce if you discovered them in a partner? Jackie Loeb. I've compiled a list. I've got so many. Okay. <laughs> the first one would be if they refuse to acknowledge that my gluten intolerance is real despite never having a medical diagnosis. <laughs> That's really important. They've got to acknowledge that. Um, I couldn't be with anyone that had a worm farm. <laughs> I'm sure the line there. Um, if they insisted that the dogs sleep in our bed, see, I'm a child of the 70s and my day, dogs slept outside in purpose-built kennels made with sheets of asbestos and lined with mouldy carpet and it was great for when family from overseas would come visit, they'd stay in there too. <laughs> Today we call those dog kennels tiny homes. Um, <laughs> what else wouldn't I tolerate? Um, anyone that didn't acknowledge marriage equality because I'm actually part of the um, LGBTQI community. I'm not sure what letter I am, but I am one of them, so I would struggle with that too. <laughs> Alex Lee, what would you rule out? Well, I've, I'm thinking about it actually. My, uh, we've got a nine-month-old baby at home and every afternoon, uh, most of the time my husband takes him for a walk and he goes and he eats an apple. And just yesterday I found like stashed away on the underside of our beautiful, very expensive pram, mm. like a billion apple stickers. And I'm just like, is that a good enough reason for divorce? Yeah, I think so. I think it yeah. is, right? It's just like... So he can't be bothered taking the sticker and disposing of it thoughtfully. No, he's, he's stuck it underside like, in... like gum. Yeah. Anyway, so he's... You deserve he's better, Alex. Oh, I'm going to think... find a new, a new husband is, tonight. Is anybody else available? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> No, but I'm just know. impressed that anyone, uh, anyone with kids gets to have a political conversation like an adult with someone else. I'm impressed. I think their marriage is going really well if they're talking about politics. I just want to know what's wrong with worm. I, I, happen to, uh, I just happen to be a person who happens to have a, um, a, a worm farm. And, and uh, look, it has created a bit of tension at home because Deborah believes that I care about the worms more than anyone else. And, and it, it is true that I have taken to getting the 
vegetables out of the crisper, um, sometimes before they've completely gone off, <laughs> and cutting them up. Oh my. Because I think the worms might like them a bit more if they were diced. <laughs> And she says this shows excessive concern for the worms. But I just think it's being caring. Yeah, I'm curious about the worm Well, I just well. think, you know, how long would it take a worm to transform my compost into some kind of usable mulch? I'd be divorced mm. before that even happened. Like, about, it take well, it takes a while. Years? It takes a while. It takes it a while. Does. You've got to be patient, but that's the whole point, you see. And it creates, it creates this worm tea. You pour water through it. It creates this beautiful worm tea. Sounds and then the, the casting... <laughs> the ca- but Actually, having hearing you, hear you the, the, speak about them, I too would leave someone if they had a worm <laughs> farm. <laughs> Hashtag no worm farm. It's not worm poo, though. It's worm castings that, that are produced of by course, the Of course, if you want to... Well, I know what worm casting this are? afternoon. <laughs> yeah. They're worm poo. But... <laughs> Uh, Rebecca, uh, you know, uh, what yeah, are you, uh, I get like Jackie. So many things on a list. Uh, if they were a man spreader, get out. Yeah, can't have it. Can't no have good. it. No, you don't need to buy a three seater sofa just because they can't put their legs together. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, if they think that all retired sports people make good commentators, it's over. I can't. I just. I can't abide that. Uh, if they can't handle watching the Golden Girls on an almost oh. daily basis, it's done. It's over. Uh, if they think that anything that Pauline Hanson says is worth listening to, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> If they immediately say, I'll do it, after you've only failed once, go. Get out. Really? You've got to give the women how many times that they're going to fail? We've got to give them a chance to maybe learn from the mistake of the previous effort. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Give me a for instance. For instance... I tried once to play golf <laughs> and I was I made a mistake trying to play golf. <laughs> so he says, I'll do it, go. Because yeah. <laughs> I won't come and I get an hour to myself. Well, you just might have thought that 17 balls cast into the Pacific Ocean was too much. <laughs> You've just described a date I went on. And um, <laughs> if, if they think any... Kardashian shows any redeemable qualities whatsoever. Get out. Get out. There's the door. Poor grammar. Oh, use of poor grammar. Poor if, grammar? If they can't, if no, if they can't. You're a just, bit choosy, aren't I you? I am so choosy. How do you, why do you think I'm still single? <laughs> <laughs> the guy I end up with is going to be amazing. Uh, if they can't determine what they're from, they're there from their there or their, uh-huh. you know, I, no, not interested. Get out. What about Go. a confusion of the, subjunct- the sub- subjunctive or something? If they could pronounce it, they could stay. <laughs> <laughs> If they don't think, this is a real deal breaker, if they don't think that getting a kebab at 3am is a really great idea, get out. (laughs) Go. Go. If they won't dance, I'm not interested. If they won't dance, no, I'm not interested. If they're not willing to laugh at themselves and make a fool of themselves, get out. Or stay and I'll do it for you. Um, (laughs) Having listened to that list, is there a roof from which I could throw myself? (laughs) Few things. It's, a, sure it's could... a long Tinder bio, Rebecca. It's, I've got long say. Tinder bio. it's all the things I don't want now. I've done it long enough. I now know what I don't want. Uh, now, in the UK, Nestle, I think you pronounce it, Nestle has launched a new product. It's a luxury $17 Kit Kat bar which people can customise to their own taste using a range of 1,500 different flavours, including meringue, rose petals, and honeycomb. Don't people have lives? Uh, now, what product would you like to customise to your own needs? Alex Lee. Hmm. I, I deal with a lot of nappies at the moment. So, you know, if they could, if Kit Kat, you know, you know could the, the people making all those flavours could just sort of personalise them. I, you know, I could deal with a, a rose, uh, you know, rose and honeycomb scented nappy. I think that could be quite yeah. good. You could, you could scent the castings. That's <laughs> yeah. the better word for it. <laughs> So you're going for the cloth, or are you going for the, uh, you know, the, the uh, destroy the planet look, ones? The destroy the planet ones. Yeah. I did briefly think <laughs> maybe a good hack could be um, buying a, a reusable nappy and putting it over the top of the disposable ones, so I don't get yeah. shamed in public. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I have to it? ask Craig Rewcastle if yeah. that counts as a, as a war on waste. <laughs> but I, I think that's fine. This is a you know a crisis time in in your life. You've got to you've got to, you've got to give yourself a little bit of breathing room environmentally when you've got babies. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, and you know, um, I mean, I've I've stopped wearing the disposable nappies myself, so you know, it's give you're making take. your contribution. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Don't worry, you'll go full circle. <laughs> <laughs> J- 
Jackie Lowe, would you like to customise some products? For us? I would. I would like to have Kit Kat flavoured with cocaine because $17 would be a really good bargain for that. Uh, what else do I like? Vodka infused water so we can all stay hydrated and drunk. Um, hybrid almond, coconut, soy, cashew, lactose free cow's milk to cater for everyone. Um, what's this? This is what I've written. Uh, MSG free flavour enhancer that tastes like nothing. And that's really stupid. And this one I thought was quite sensible. So sour cucumbers apparently have negative calories, like minus seven calories because of the effort involved in eating them. So I propose chocolate infused with sour cucumbers. Sour cucumbers have minus seven calories, so if you add 150 of them to your chocolate bar, you will effectively burn the calories in your chocolate. Genius. Mm. <laughs> but you've got to eat that many sour cucumbers. Yes, you do. I calculate it. Yes. That's a family block. There's a serious story in the paper today, uh, this week, that says that people who eat nuts every day are thinner than people who don't eat nuts and because of the effort of chewing them. Mm, that's nuts. Mm. <laughs> Walnuts are particularly good, apparently. I hit the wall on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Do the chocolate-covered ones still count? No. No, I don't think they do. Um, Yeah, customised products. We need some more customised products. Mm, mm. Life in America must be full of customised... Because Tommy was saying, Jackie, that uh, the only trouble about living life in America is there's sort of this endless choice about every single thing that you might possibly want in life. And everything has got high fructose corn syrup in it. In fact, so that's a negative thing. We don't want to have high fructose corn syrup in our products. So sugar has actually become a selling point, something positive. I honestly saw a billboard for some like 7-Up or something. Now with added sugar. <laughs> <laughs> that was legit. Wow. Real sugar. Mm-hmm. In every, wow. 17 spoonfuls of real sugar in every... Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. Jeez, right. jeez. Well, I've got a few. Yes. Yeah. No. Customised uh, products. I think... I think mine are mostly height-related. I don't know if there's anyone here that suffers from my affliction. It's called lack of legs. And um, so I... And I've been saying this to my trainer for years. I've been saying all these gym equipment-like things, all the equipment and the bikes and things, they are heightest. Because <laughs> if you lower those... You know the, the, the bikes where you do spin bike, the spin bike, right? You can only lower the this seat. This is where uh, uh, Jackie's Deliveroo driver is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can only lower the seat to a certain point, but that is still not low enough for my feet to reach the pedals. That's hardest. So you should see me when I train on that. It's like, oh, at the end I go, oh, am I pregnant? Like it's the seat is constantly, <laughs> hello there. Like, just, just reminding me I'm alive. Keep up, Sarprite. Oh, hello. So it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's a bit of a dangerous. And so all the gym, you know, like the, the, the chest press and all those things, I have to get, my trainer has to get a little box for me to put my feet on so that I can actually exert the effort that it takes to use the machine. That's embarrassing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, also, bar stools. I'd like a customised bar stool in every bar that I frequent, so that's like about a billion. Um, so how do you hop up onto them? Uh, honestly, <laughs> sometimes with great difficulty. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I should, next time I have a date, choose a venue where they have only seat, like chairs mm-hmm. and not bar stools, because I think that's half the reason why my dates don't work. <laughs> it's because I've had to watch. Watch me try and get on a stool for the first 15 minutes of the date. And there is you no, couldn't give me a leg up, could you, you love? There is no graceful way to launch yourself onto a stool that's way too high for you. Like when you're standing at a stool, it, by rights, the seat shouldn't be at your boob level. That's, that's just, but that's how it is for me. How do you go in the kitchen with the, uh, you know, the, 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 the pasta bowl? I have up. my own, well, that's also on my list, kitchen cupboards. <laughs> I have a series of of footstools around my house in order to reach things. Hmm. How sad is that? But it's true. It's an affliction. I'd also like, um, I'd like all shopping centres to have every shop that I need to go to on the same level. Yes. <laughs> so I that agree I can just go to, straight to level four, walk around, straight to the ground yeah. floor and out. And, and also the products on a shelf equivalent to your eye level. I think that's what I find offensive. Well, that's right. You, We've been you, living in Hobbiton. Like, if you like leaf tea, the only people who like leaf tea these days are people who are my age, right? And, and yet and yet it's on the bottom shelf. And once we get down there, we can't get up again. <laughs> that's right. And yet on eye level, it's all the tea bags, which we don't want. That's Well, no. You should put the tea bags down for the young people where they can get down and get up again. And the, the, the leaf so tea... Which so many tea young people do at supermarkets these days, don't they? Let's get down and get up again. Yeah. Let's get us... <laughs> Some of them tea bags. <laughs> Let's go tea bag shopping. Well, they've Me. got like those quiet hours at 
the shops yes. now. So maybe they could have, you know, short hours at the shops yeah. where they just bring everything <laughs> where they down. Where they just blow And then you could have a tall hour where everything was up high. <laughs> you, could. you could have a fat hour where the aisles are a bit wider. <laughs> be great. Customised shopping. I'd like a free hour. That'd be my favourite. <laughs> I can show you how to do that. <laughs> Self-scanning yeah. at Warwick. Yeah. 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 Everything's an onion. Why, is she, why do you think she's got a jacket with so many pockets? Yeah. <laughs> They're non-functional. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's that? She's, she's got heaps of microphones inside there. Yeah, and, and three, three packets of White King, I can see. Yeah. In the thing. And David Campbell, too. <laughs> Who were the winners and losers of this week, Jackie Lowe? Okay, I think the losers are all those horrible grown-up people that are bullying and criticising climate change activist Greta Thunberg. I think, gosh, what were these people doing when they were 16? Like, if they're the same age as me now, they're probably smoking at the back of the bus or swimming into a rip. That's what I would spend a lot of time doing. Or not (laughs) studying. It was a very different time in the 70s. We didn't have mobile phones or internet. If I wanted to learn something about someone, I had to keep eating fantails until I got the person I wanted. (laughs) That was how I studied. And I still study that way. Uh, the loser, loser of the, the winner of the week. Okay, this is something that I read today. Uh, Australian Facebook users today, as part of a world free trial, won't be able to see the number of likes that they, their posts get. And finally, I don't need have the need the validation of strangers for the photo of a stranger's cat that I post. Mm. So, that's, so this that's is true. You'll be able to see uh, whether your friends like your post, but you won't be able to do the comparison because you'll never know how many people like Rebecca's uh, picture of her footstool. See, you read the whole article. I just read the first sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but they say this will reduce social anxiety because we're all living in this world of comparison where we say, oh, my picture of my dinner only got three likes and, and Rebecca's picture of her dinner got 16. I must be worthless. My microwave got seven likes <laughs> with the dinner in it that you couldn't see. <laughs> I had a friend actually who he got defriended by another friend of ours because he only he, there was a baby announcement post and he only liked it and didn't comment. Oh. Got the defriend. Oh. Yeah. What, what a monster. I know. <laughs> wow. so who are the winners and losers, Alex Lee? Um, I, I was going to say the winner, uh, I thought Mark Humphreys, uh, mm. who did that 7.30 sketch, if you saw it about Greta Thunberg, actually got really retweeted by Greta Thunberg, yeah. which is very cool. Yes. So he's, he's my winner for the And it's the been week. seen by millions of people around the world. Yeah, yep. 8 million people on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, amazing. And I would say the loser of the week is uh, people who own worm farms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I am casting around for a better life. <laughs> you can also get your worm tea on the bottom shelf as well. <laughs> who are the winners and losers, Rebecca? Uh, my winners, I'm hoping so. Uh, they're doing an amazing job. Uh, are the Opals at the uh, at the uh, Women's Asia Cup, our bas- female basketballers, uh, they lost to China by one point. Um, and so they, uh, now they have to uh, defeat Chinese Taipei for a place in the final opposite Japan. Uh, they've never won uh, an Asian Cup before, but they did get a silver medal in 2017. So I'm cheering for them uh, over the weekend. Uh, for the, we can give them a chair. Cheer. Yeah. Yeah. And the losers? And my losers, oh, it's the cast of Beverly Hills 90210, <laughs> who, minus my favourite Luke Perry, uh, decided to do a reboot of the show and uh, it was that it was a great idea for the actors to not play the characters that everybody loved them for for those years. No, just play yourselves. <laughs> and uh, I lasted about ten minutes before switching it off and then spent two hours picking my chin up off the floor. So uh, <laughs> they're my losers. They're your losers and we are the winners having listened to Jackie Loeb, Alex Lee and Rebecca De Unamuno. <laughs> Thanks for being part of Thank God It's Friday. Next week we'll have Subby Valentine, H.G. Nelson and Mandy Nolan music Next week from Diesel, check out the TGIF podcast for Tommy Dean's Letter from America. It's right at the end of the podcast each week. Until then, I'm Richard Glover, and thank God it's Friday! Now, with a special Letter from America with Tommy Dean. Of course, uh, TGIF mainstay Tommy Dean is back in America for a few months after 20 years down under. So what's this week's letter from America? He joins us once again from the United States. Tommy, hello. 
Hello to all of you down under. <laughs> you say that as if you're atop a mountain, speaking to those oh, of us I in the valley. Top of a mountain. I think I'm, uh, I'm atop a rocket launcher that uh, we bought with Australian money. Thank you for that, America says. Yeah. Couldn't be more pleased with $150 million that Scott Morrison promised us to go to the Mars. That was very generous of us, wasn't it? Well, I didn't, I didn't want to tell everybody what the conversion was. <laughs> Three dollars fifty. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, "What Mars bars for everyone?" <laughs> Don't be like that. We are a thrusting modern economy down here. Ah, uh, it's true. I apologize. I just I got caught up. Well, actually, uh, you've probably got caught up in patriotism connected with your son. So much patriotism. My letter from America today is the letter immigrant. I have successfully citizenized my son. So this is your son, who's a real, you know, Aussie born to an Aussie mother, grew up in Sydney, and he's become an American. He has got the certificate to prove it. We have gone through all of the paperwork. Uh, we have made ourselves a dual citizen. A lot of people ask why, and of course the clear reason that I put him through the process uh, was simply that he started to talk about wanting to be a, an Australian senator. <laughs> So I wanted to stop put, that in its tracks. Put an end to this. Does Trumpy know? Does Trumpy know you got immigrants, you know, growing on trees? Look, I'm a, you know, he, we were kind of excited. We thought there would be a lot more pop and circus, pump, pump and circumstance. Uh, I thought there would be at least uh, an ironic mariachi band playing. <laughs> Some sort of wall over which to clamber. Yeah, it was the most bureaucratically unclimactic moment of our lives. We went to a nondescript building down in the city and we made our way up to a nondescript office. And then a nondescript officer of the of the court came out. And I thought there was some, you know, we had been studying civics tests, that going over all the things he might have to do. And all she did was look at the paperwork, check that his picture matched and said, I'll be right back with your certificate. That's it. And she came back and handed him his certificate and said, uh, you can go now. Not even like, welcome to the country or... So anyway, I felt so bad for him that it, you know, it didn't feel like he was part of the U.S. So we went, we went straight out and bought a gun <laughs> and some hamburgers. I really wanted to feel like part of the country. <laughs> because I thought, you know, I thought in Australia you have to pass this test now. You have to know Bradman's batting average and stuff like that. You don't have to, you don't have to show any knowledge. I think if you come in through a different system. I mean, he's coming in because his father is a, an American and. That's pretty much the only rule. If your father's an American and has lived here long enough, that's pretty much it. Pay the fee and you come. Uh, but yeah, we've been going. I was actually we'd gone over the civics test again and again, and I was he was not doing very well to the point where I didn't want him to be a citizen. <laughs> I, I was a little disappointed about how little he knew about Abraham Lincoln. Well, what, what was the question? You were shocked well, the that he was, what what what's you know, what's one of Abraham Lincoln's major accomplishments? And uh, his answer was uh, he got himself on the $5 bill. Yeah. Well, that's right. I said, well, that's pretty good. It was no Andrew Jackson, but he said, who? I said, see, this is exactly why you can't be in the country. <laughs> what is uh, Abraham Lincoln's main achievement? Well, a lot of people would say freeing the slaves, Emancipation Proclamation, uh, leading the North to uh, victory in the Civil War, which gave us a unified country. Others would say he just, you know, gave a really great speech. At Gettysburg. Oh, the Gettysburg. In fact, actually, I had to take Asher down. Here is uh, the during the last big debates of Lincoln, when he had the uh, very classic Lincoln-Douglas debates, one of the places that they debated was right down the street from where I'm living. So they have a, a statue of Lincoln and Douglas standing there in grand debate. And you try so to I take... You try down to, there. I you, said, what do you think of that? Uh, and he said, Abraham Lincoln sure is short. And I went, what, you idiot? He's the other one, the tall one on the right. You really don't know anything about Lincoln. Yeah. But you see, this warms my heart because I don't want I don't want America stealing the heart of a perfectly decent Sydney boy. Yeah, I don't think it has. Uh, he wants to buy a car, which I think is universal. Seventeen year old. Oh. That's all he cares about at the moment. In fact, he was good enough to at least have a callback. So we were talking about it yesterday. What kind of car to get? And he said, "Well, I'll tell you what car I'm not getting: a Lincoln." <laughs> He's not developing an American accent. I hope. No, I think that he knows full well the power of the Australian accent. So he's uh, he's 
using his uh, citizenship. Because really, the main reason for that is so he can get a job. That opens him up to be able to uh, get a job here and make some money. Hmm. And uh, but he saves the accent so that he can uh, use that money wisely. <laughs> you're saying the Australian accent, accent uh, is is attractive to the opposite sex. Is that what you're saying? That's what I've heard. Uh, it didn't. It's not working for me. I've called every woman I've met here mate, and it hasn't worked at all. <laughs> you haven't got an Amer- Australian accent. I know. Hello, mate. What are you doing, mate? Uh, no, uh, I think he does know that the accent plays. Uh, in fact, I'm looking forward. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be introduced. Uh, they present all the senior sports kids at a big senior sports festival, and their parents come out to celebrate them. So come out as the Americans finally united in citizenship and social security <laughs> what's the, what jobs are you going to get uh he's uh, applying for a job at a car yard because he thinks that'll get him a cheap car mm-hmm. uh he also wants to get a job uh perhaps at the local cafe because that would give him free sandwiches uh, he's really about the perks which i think is a good a good look in. he's a he's a smart kid hey let me tell you this i don't want to brag uh but i might be starting a proper job on monday uh, we talked last week about my chats to the radio station. Yeah. Uh, it turns out they don't need any sort of uh, on-air personalities, but they do need people to work in the advertising sales department. Oh, good. Okay. So that, just to explain to people who didn't hear last week, this, is, this job has emerged because the people you're renting your flat from are concerned you might not be able to pay the rent, so they have gone out and tried to get you a job. That's right. They got me introduced to the local community radio station, followed up with, with a meeting, and uh, on Monday, I start a job in uh, uh, sales. Uh, and my favorite part of the interview was, uh, you know, we met and he said, do you have any experience in, in advertising at all? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I have uh, spent the last eight years working for uh, an organization in Australia called Gruen, mm. uh, which is, for lack of a better term, a advertising think tank. Have you pointed <laughs> out it's actually a, a, a barely disguised attack on advertising in all its forms? Oh, certainly not. I said it was a part of the Australian government's <laughs> referendum. They work for the ABC. It's the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. By golly, they're, they're serious business. And I certainly didn't point out that the only thing I did for that organization was warm up the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Do the audience warm. Uh, yeah, so, look, how are you going to go? So you got you got to cold call people or what? Uh, yes. Uh, my only skill set is charm and fun. Uh, so it's going to go like this. Hi, Mr. Glover. Uh, this is Tommy Dean calling. I was just curious, would you be interested in advertising your excellent business with WCJZ? You mean, you mean my bike shop? Look, you know, my bike repair business, is, it's fine. We've got, we've got too much business already, frankly. Don't be such a jerk. Why are you a jerk? I need the sale. <laughs> well, how, how much is this going to cost me? Are you sure it's going to get me more business? Because uh, well, I don't know, do, do, you have, do you even have bike owners listening to your show? Oh, I'm on a bicycle right now, as I call uh, we have nothing but bicycles. In fact, I was just looking at the demographics today. Over 98% of our listeners ride bicycles. You're going to be good at this, aren't you? Be good. <laughs> well, apparently, anymore, nobody in America expects you to tell the truth. Okay. Yeah. I'm here at a perfect confluence of time where you can just say what you want, and then I'll forge their signatures, and they'll have to just deal with it when the bill comes. <laughs> Are you going to be, I mean, cold, cold calling's hard. Are you going to be embarrassed? Are you going to be, do you think you'll do it with a plum? I'm hoping a plum. I have a little feeling. I've never felt good about, I don't like calling people that I know. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to approach it like that. I'm going to approach it as if I'm calling a relative that I haven't spoken to in a while with a slight sense of shame and yet a real need to borrow their money. <laughs> <laughs> But you see, if you get the sack after two days, the people you're renting the flat from are going to become anxious. Well, that's the exciting thing. Uh, I work from home. It's a work from home position. So I'm already planning on claiming it as a workspace, the entire place. Mm-hmm. And then I also expect to not have to answer to them. They'll be like, oh, you know, we own the place. We can come in. Well, no, this is a place of business now. You only have a right to the residential flat and it's not an operation right <laughs> This is like a this is like a scene out of Roseanne. Remember how Roseanne used to sell advertising in magazines? Yeah, that's right. she used to she used to have a wall phone and she used to stand there making calls on the wall phone. 
Yep, they're going to get me a wall phone. I said I couldn't do it from a mobile. That would give me too much opportunity to leave. Wow. Okay. So that starts Monday. We'll we have to we'll have to have an update on how. On my, how my you next go. week, I'll know how many sales I have confirmed. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. How how many? Let, make a prediction right now. How many in the first week? Well, let's see. We talk on uh, your Friday, so that gives me four working days. I figure four closes a day, so I'm going to say two. <laughs> yeah, two. Okay. No, no. Well, let's let's be optimistic. Let's say four six. four a day for four days is sixteen, right? Yeah, but how many how many businesses are there? I'm already trying to do the math on even if every single person bought radio advertising, how many can you actually sell to? Hmm. It's not. It's on a community station, though, isn't it? So it wouldn't be expensive. It's like NPR, but it's not not expensive, I guess. Uh, I'm looking forward to the training on Monday, but really the question isn't how much does it cost. It's how much will it make you, sir? Yeah. See how I turned it? Yeah. Maybe we should buy an ad for the TGIF podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, so we, we, we want an international audience, you know. We've got a bit of an international audience, but we want a bigger one. Well, you know, we don't only, we don't only feature local radio advertising. We also have a multi-platform digital services that reach the world, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason we can't cross-platform with your platform and just reach out to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I'm going to start saving up. I'm going to start saving up to put an ad on your community radio station as brokered by the salesman extraordinaire, Mr. Tommy Dean. We're listening to the, uh, the latest letter to America from Tommy Dean. Uh, now, you mentioned Ash's uh, citizenship and you mentioned the school program. Is he still doing well in the sport department? Oh, yes, he did or does. He continues to do very well. Uh, in fact, I had a curious moment. Uh, yesterday, he runs cross country at the moment, which is you know sort of uh, running. It's like a fun run. Hmm. They do like a five kilometer run up and down hills and through parks. And... Yeah, I know what cross country is. I used to do cross country when I was his age. Yeah, it's madness. It's madness is what it is. I was quite surprised to find so many parents out there. Uh, it was quite a big deal. Quite a beautiful park. Uh, all the kids lined up, and bang, the gun goes off, and they take off running. Uh, very exciting. Uh, so Asher completed the race. He won his school. He's like the best on his team, but I'd say he's still a couple of minutes behind the real runners. Uh, but there was that moment where he finished. He hit the finish line, and I walked around to wish him congratulations, and his coach had him in a bear hug, and his coach was giving him a big hug and smacking him on the shoulders and saying, I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you, Asher. That was one of the greatest races you've run so far for this team. You are just really coming along. You are so fantastic. I am so proud. And off he walked. And then as I walked up, I, I, hadn't, I didn't know what to say after all that effusiveness from the coach. So uh, good job, son. You want some water? <laughs> <laughs> do, you think, do you think Americans generally are more loquacious than Australians? Uh, I am going to look that up. I'm going to assume yes. <laughs> you know the guy, the way the guy carried on and on and on, and you had you know you know more more talkative. Oh oh man oh so much more talkative. This is I I, I this is weird. I consider myself uh, a, a talker. I want to talk. Uh, I make my living talking. Uh, but if I continue to hang out with uh, your regular run of the mill standard American people. I am quite surprised at their need to talk. I haven't, I haven't finished a story since I've arrived here. <laughs> I think everybody here uses your story just to find a topic within it that starts their story. It the, is unbelievable. They're waiting for you to draw breath, are they? They don't even wait. They just hear a word. A woman says, oh, so, you know, she's met, met me for the first time. Um, well, what took you to Australia? I say, well... Uh, I met my first wife when she was, oh, I remember my first husband. Oh, my gosh. He was just a, and then off she went. I hadn't gotten past first wife. <laughs> you're, you're four words into the story. Almost every time, most conversations start with where are you from, and I always lead with, oh, well, I've been living in Sydney. And as soon as I say Sydney, all topics apparently move to, oh, I have always wanted to go to Australia. <laughs> And then everybody tells me about all of their plans for when they win the lottery, what they will do in Australia. They never, they never get to hear the end of my story. <laughs> that's, that's why you, you have to do this letter to America with us. That's right. You let me finish. But my, my theory is now is that you know, on the world stage, Americans are always made fun of for being loud. And uh, I, don't, I think 
I think that's a misconception. I think it's just incessant. <laughs> it just seems loud because they just keep talking. Why are they I've like never... Why are they like that? Is it because they do show so much show and tell at school or something? I I, I will get back to you. I am working on a on a speculation. Uh, my speculation is is that they've been taught that they are important. And that everything they think is also important, and there's no reason to think it when you can say it. Yeah. Just start saying it. The word that I say in conversation is a wheel of death to them. <laughs> That's what it is. As soon as they hear the, the clack, 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 Sydney. Oh, I've always wanted to go to Sydney. Clack, 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 clack. Had a house. Oh, I just bought a house. Oh, it's such a difficult proposition. <laughs> they love the wheel of death here. <laughs> I'd have no problem filling it, would I? I could just ask any person from the audience. They, yeah, yeah, sure. No, nah, they, they would start, as soon as you said, introduce the segment, they, they would probably start just talking about the wheel. <laughs> I, I, had, I had four wheels on my first car. Yeah, they'd go off on the wheel. Maybe focus on death for a little bit. Oh, so sad. <laughs> Difficulty with the health system here. We have a lot of death. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're right. It grows out of ego. Like Australians know that we're on the, you know, we, we sort of essentially know that we're, not in the center of things that we have a lowly status and maybe we take that onwards into life. It's status. I just, cause it's not like they really have any vast information to hand over. That's the part that confuses me. It just feels like they're not comfortable hearing the end of the story because they might have to contemplate a point. I think instead of contemplating the point, it's best to be an endless exposition. They also like having the last word, don't they? I, I had a friend who um, who was involved in retail sales here, and he thought it was hilarious. You know, he, we, we, he, he trained his staff here to say, you know, good morning and, and, and see you later and, you know, and, and maybe the odd have a nice day. But he, he was intrigued the way when you go to an American shop, they have to have the last word. So if they say have a nice day and you say, yeah, and you too, you have a nice day, they'll then have to say something else. They'll have to say, back on you, sir. And then if you say, yeah, but it's a really beautiful day, isn't it? Look at the sunshine outside. They'll say, yeah, isn't it grand? And you can keep on going for like four hours and the doorman at the you know, fancy shop will never let you go unless he has the last word. It's true. It is, it is absolutely true. I, I got out of the car. A lovely mother from the school gave me a ride to the cross-country meet and I had the exact same problem. As I just got out, and I said, well, that sure was great. Thank you very much. She said, well, we'll do it again next week. I, oh, okay, well, I look forward to seeing you there. Just about to close the door. Okay, well, I'll be sure to call you. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go. Now. Well, you have a great time. Okay, I just got to get dinner. We're having enchiladas. <laughs> <laughs> but she's just being nice. She is. This is what I want to impress for all of those observations previously confessed. They do it in kindness. There is no sense of overtaking. They don't feel like they're dominating the conversation. It's just some sort of genetic button you push by using words they recognize and also have stories that ramble off. <laughs> the genetic button that is pushed. Yeah. Like technically, you could have shut this whole thing down and just, but with locations. Right from there, I was. Uh, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good word, locations, isn't it? Loquacious. Well, I, was, I always thought that was the name of Jean-Luc Picard when he was taken over by the Borg, but I have to look that up. Yeah. It also might be a form of Mandarin or something. I don't know. Like a kumquat or something. <laughs> Sounds like that too, doesn't it? That would be nice. Uh, Simon Martin. Well, look, we'll, we'll start saving all our money for, uh, to buy a, a spot from the advertising sales executive of the community radio station for TGIF. And, uh, and we'll... we'll, we'll so what's your title? What's your official title? Associate, I believe. Associate. I don't, I don't think you start as an executive. <laughs> You're an associate. I mean, I have eight so- years of experience with the Gruen think tank. <laughs> but I don't think that automatically puts me up in the top yeah. position. We want 16 sales, Tommy. 16 sales. I'm looking forward. But given that uh, the headline in the, the local paper this week was uh, dog gets out of backyard, causes trouble, caught without incident. I don't, I don't know how well this is going to go. You're saying it's a slow little town. Just saying the dog got out and then he was caught. <laughs> and that was front page news. Oh, front page. Because the dog got out. That was the thing. He wasn't supposed to get out. You know how it is. The dog was tied up in the back. And so you'd expect the dog to stay in the back. And then he got out. I've got a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you got out once. He got out once. We had a house with a fence once. <laughs> no fences here. That's an interesting thing. 
no fences in this town. It's a curious, curious place for a place that talks about all the walls. You can look right through to your neighbor's backyard because it's part of yours. Is that uh, that a local ordinance? Yeah, just the nature of, you know, some places have them and some don't. This is a neighborhood of no fences. Canberra's like that. You're not allowed to have a front fence. Yeah, Canberra just legalized marijuana. They better start putting fences up. (laughs) Until next time, Tommy. No, until next time to you. (laughs) No, really, it's been great talking to you. It's always a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to next time. The pleasure is ours. No, the pleasure has been mine. No, really, I, I insist. It's been great to have you talking to us um, each week with this, uh, with this letter from America. It is a kindness that you have afforded me, and I thank you for your time. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> no, I'll see you later. Oh, God. <laughs> Bye. Now, with a special letter from America with Tommy Dean. There you go. Tommy Dean will be back with another letter from America this time next week. You're listening to ABC Radio Sydney.